0: Welcome to What She Said. I'm your host, Candace Simpson. Well, we have a new king, and as Anne and I discuss a little later in today's show, it seems like there isn't much neutral ground anymore when it comes to the monarchy. You either love it or hate it. Which side are you on? We're asking that question over on the What She Said Talk Facebook page today, so be sure to hop on over and share your thoughts. While we may not have royalty for guests, we do have something better for today's show. Real women making a difference in Canada. Here's what's coming up. Summer is almost here and that means it's time to start planning the perfect getaway for the family. Cheryl Brown, Managing Director for La Boat Vacations, joins me to share why their boats are the perfect escape on water and the amazing locations you can visit here and around the world. My next guest is a powerhouse in the wine world. Natalie McLean is an accredited sommelier, best-selling wine writer, and award-winning author. Her latest book, Wine Witch on Fire, Rising from the Ashes of Divorce, Defamation, and Drinking Too Much, is a heartfelt and inspiring story of resilience, self-discovery, and finding love amidst life's challenges. It's a royal affair this week with King Charles' coronation, so of course Anne Brody has a documentary Royal Watchers will love. Charles, in his own words, is now available on Hulu and Disney+. We also chat about dancer Benjamin Millipede's Carmen in select theaters now, and the dystopian series Silo, available on Apple TV+. We need more women in politics, but that doesn't necessarily mean every woman needs to run for office. Women can use their voices in a variety of ways to advance our rights and make the world a better place. Erica M. joins me to share why she's throwing her weight behind one of the 50 mayoral candidates running in Toronto's election and why it's important for women across the country to jump into elections on all levels. Finally, Colette Curran, Clinician and National Director of Military, Veterans, and First Responders at EHN Canada, joins me to shed light on the unique challenges faced by those in law enforcement, the stigma surrounding mental health disorders within their community, and how these issues can be addressed more effectively. It's another full week at what she said, with interviews that empower, educate, and entertain. So let's jump in right now summer is just around the corner and winter weary Canadians are busy planning their escapes before you book a cottage or hotel room though listen to this next interview with Cheryl Brown managing director for la boat a company providing unforgettable boating vacation experiences worldwide so grab your sunglasses feel the virtual breeze in your hair and listen as Cheryl shares how a vacation on the water is the best place to be this summer welcome to what she said Cheryl
1: Hi Candance, great to meet you and lovely to speak to you today and and you're dead right you know it's time to start thinking of a summer vacation the weather is starting to change hopefully for the better it's certainly we're certainly starting to, to see the sun starting to shine on us in Europe which is fantastic.
0: Yeah, the summer is so short here. We have to embrace every single minute of it in Canada. So, with travel demand increasing as the world continues to reopen, what trends are you seeing in the industry, particularly regarding luxury experiences and outdoor adventures?
1: It's, I guess, travel we've seen sort of an interesting few years, and I hate to use that dreaded word COVID. But it sort of still lingers sort of about the place but it's great to see that uh we in, in 2022 for Labort, we actually seen our best ever travel year, but we were very lucky as a tour operator. We had a lot of staycation destinations, which allowed our customers to continue to travel uh, more with us. And we actually took a number of boats out of some of our larger destinations to really fulfill the staycation demand. So that was super in 22. 23 is totally different. Everybody is starting to travel again which is fantastic there's nobody out there nervous now about traveling uh, covid's disappeared the world is completely opened again and i guess you've got a few different types of people you've got people that are thinking i've missed out for the last two or three years i've got a lot of money to spend on an amazing holiday so you you've got a lot of people out there i guess going on one of their bucket list holidays you know their dream holiday spending a lot of money going on a fantastic luxury vacation or you've got loads of family and friends reuniting and that's really exciting i think from a labor point of view because what we find certainly with our vacations is people love coming together you know renting a boat where no experience is needed you know customers turn up at our bases we show them exactly how to drive the boats the boats have been purpose built for people without experience it's very easy I like to call them floating condors really but it's great to meet up with family friends bring along your pets if you like if you're going on a staycation uh, and spending some real quality time together because Of course, we've all missed out on that over the last few years.
0: Absolutely. And I have driven one of the boats and I can tell you it's such an empowering, fun experience to get out on the water and drive that boat. And it just was very easy and very natural. So I recommend it to anybody. Uh, Don't be nervous. It's an incredible experience. The boats themselves are amazing, though. And you have added 11 new boats cruisers this year so tell me about the the boats themselves
1: well the boats are purpose built for our customers we build them exclusively uh, with a fantastic boat builder but they are basically made for people without experience and what we want people to feel when they come on one of our vacations it's it's almost a home from home experience so i guess you've got everything that you would have at, at your house or in your condo on one of our boats all of our Bedrooms have ensuite facilities, uh, you know, all of our kitchen areas have got all the facilities that you would expect at home in your kitchen, very spacey, loads of room around our boats, it's very easy to walk around the boats, manoeuvre the boats, drive the boats. Um, They've been built for people without any experience, so it's easy, easy, easy. So what you've just said about your experience is, you know, dead right. We want people to come join us and be very comfortable from the minute that boat leaves one of our dock. And if you incur any problems on the way, you know, we're just a call away and we get to you within minutes, but you know, that generally doesn't happen. And we have over 18,000 departures every year. Over 110,000 customers traveling on our holidays every year. So we know what we're doing by now. And we've been in the business for 50 years. And the other point that you made, you know, people have choices. And, you know, a cottage is a great choice for a vacation right now. But there is nothing, in my opinion, about seeing the world from the water. It adds another perspective. It is absolutely incredible. And, you know, the cruising ground on the Rideau Canal is, in my opinion, uh you've got the best cruising grounds um, from Europe, all put together in one place. You know, it's almost the French canal system from Ottawa down to Smith Falls. And then you enter the Great Rideau, which is incredible, almost sort of breathtaking. And I'll never forget the first time that I actually cruised there just thinking, wow, it was a real pinch me moment, just beautiful and blew me away.
0: It really is uh, very peaceful as well, being on the water, truly a relaxing vacation. And last year, La Boat was out of Smiths Falls, but this year you have boats in Ottawa as well, right?
1: very exciting so we open our satellite base on Dow's Lake so we're right in the heart of Ottawa which is pretty amazing Uh, so our customers can now uh, do a one-way cruise with us they can pick up a boat at Dow's Lake in Ottawa uh, cruise down to Smith Falls they can do it the other way around or they can do a round trip uh, out of Ottawa or Smith Falls so plenty of choice but uh, but that's really exciting to us because a lot of our customers, uh, particularly our overseas customers, you know, fly in to Ottawa. It's a great opportunity to start your cruise in Ottawa, see the fantastic city, and then cruise down uh, to the Great Rideau.
0: What about those who are looking to maybe go a little bit further? What are some of the other cruising experiences they could look at?
1: Oh, now you'll get me going. There is so much (laughs) choice um i mean we've got uh just under a thousand boats uh, around the world our biggest cruising ground would be in france France is amazing for cruising, uh, the Canal de Midi uh, being the most popular cruising ground, particularly if it's your first time for cruising in Europe, UNESCO heritage sites are the same as the Rideau Canal, a lot in common, um, we, we've we got Italy, Italy is amazing uh, and I talk about sort of pinch me moments, I'll never forget the first time I actually cr- Cruised into the Venetian Lagoon on one of our boats and it was absolutely amazing. You know, another experience that just took my breath away. But, you know, we do fantastic cruising in the UK, uh, Windsor Castle, you know, the Royal sort of heritage. It's again, you know, incredibly, uh, you know, wonderful, Lords of history, Holland, Belgium, Germany, Ireland. So, you know, so much to offer. And again, all made very easy. All of our cruising, ground is on inland waterways canals small rivers so very easy and achievable even for beginners
0: that was my next question I feel like there's probably some people listening I certainly had reservations uh, about going on a boating holiday where I would be driving the boat so can you explain to people how the process works uh when they book
1: a holiday with a boat so our boats have been built for people without experience. We've made them incredibly easy. Um, so it's like driving a car on water, basically. So uh, anybody that hasn't been before would turn up at one of our bases, wherever you are around the world, and we will talk you well in advance through the typical itinerary. You know what you want to get out of your cruise. Are you looking to do sort of more cruising? Do you want to get off your boat a lot? Are you looking for activity? Are you looking to relax? So we have a good feel for you know what you're looking for you know are you looking to eat a lot on board because you know you've got all of the facilities or are you looking to take advantage of all the amazing restaurants and cafes you know on the way and and really sort of experience the sort of culture of the region so we have a great understanding of your itinerary and then once we've sort of agreed that with you um, and everybody's happy uh, we take you on board we give you a full demonstration on how to drive the boat um, we take you through your first lock. We make sure you're incredibly comfortable and that can take up to an hour. Sometimes somebody might need a little bit more, sometimes less, depending on whether you've been before. But it is that easy. And then you're on your way and you will know from your experience. At first, you feel a little bit intimidated. Oh, wow, I'm on my own. I'm driving this board. And when you get through your first lock and you're out in that, you'll realize how easy it is. And you, all of a sudden you'll start to think, wow, I'm doing this. And it's you know great. And everybody will be fighting you to drive that boat.
0: Absolutely. One of the best vacations I, I've ever been on. I, I seriously mean that, so I would recommend people check it out. Uh, and speaking of that, where can people find out more about the various uh itineraries you offer and book for this summer?
1: Okay, you can find us online on laboat.ca or you can give us a call on 1-800-734-5491. And we look forward to helping you out and welcoming you on board. Incredible. Thank you so much for joining me today, Cheryl. Pleasure. Thank you very much. Have a good day.
2: More of What She Said with Candace Sampson coming up.
1: CareToKnow.ca
0: is a free resource where Canadians receive the latest health information, updates on new and existing treatments, and advice from Canadian doctors via email. After enrolling at CareToKnow.ca, you'll receive accurate and reliable information from trusted Canadian medical experts delivered directly to your inbox. Members can also access the website for information on a variety of health-related topics. Through resources like vodcasts, podcasts, and live webinars, Canadian experts discuss how to manage a number of medical conditions and provide the latest knowledge and advice to help you make informed decisions about your family's health with your own health care provider. To sign up and start learning more about the health matters that impact you most, enroll in caretoknow.ca today. La, la, la,
2: la, 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 la. And now, back to Candace Sampson and what she said.
0: If you're a wine lover, you've undoubtedly heard of my next guest. Natalie McLean is the host of Unreserved Wine Talk, selected as one of the best drinks podcasts by the New York Times, as well as the author of best-selling books, Red, White and Drunk All Over, A Wine-Soaked Journey from Grape to Glass, and Unquenchable, A Tipsy Quest for the World's Best Bargain Wines. Her latest book, though, is not about wine at all, despite the name, and about Natalie's personal journey through divorce, defamation, and drinking too much. She joins me now. Welcome to What She Said, Natalie. Oh, it's great to be here with you, Candace. Thank you for having me. So the full book title is Wine Witch on Fire, Rising from the Ashes of Divorce, Defamation, and Drinking Too Much. So feels pretty self-explanatory, but why don't you tell me a little <laughs> bit about
3: uh, the reason for that title? Well, all the dismal Ds, as I say. My publisher did not want me to use defamation, delirium, destitution. It's like, we won't <laughs> be able to sell this book. Uh, but it is actually, spoiler alert, uh, it does have a happy ending, and there is lots of humor. The rising from the ashes is, is the main part of this. So, you know, it's about my own worst personal vintage, uh, both professionally and in my relationships, uh, and how I got through that year, got through the fire, um, by really having to dig down into my inner resources. You know, at at the outset, I had a shocking conversation with my husband of 20 years, he wanted a divorce. And then at the end of the year, uh, my professional reputation came under siege from an online mob of attackers. So I just thought I would get all of life's worst things that it can throw at you done in one year. And you know, now I've written about it.
0: Well, well done. (laughs) Oh, so thanks, your, your I think. <laughs> book is, your book is described as a true sort of coming of middle age story. So how has this transformation shaped you as a person and influenced your perspective on life now?
3: I think when life does boil you down to your essence, you know, in winemaking they have a term called dry extract. It's like after all of the other things have been evaporated, what are the the barest flavor crystals that are left of the wine? That can happen to people too when when life just reduces you to your essential who you are i think it's you learn a lot about your inner resilience your inner strength you realize who you want to be and who you don't want to be and you rebuild you can rebuild your life personally and professionally so i would never wish what happened to me on anyone including myself But I am who I am because of it and I'm glad for that it has it has made my roots deeper and stronger Uh, it has made me fiercer and wiser and um, and that is exactly what I chronicle in the book
0: you talk in the book about misogyny in the industry you work in
3: what do you hope to achieve by raising awareness about this well I hope we can start a discussion in the industry and beyond it the wine industry is very small, very clubby. It does, pardon the pun, have a strong grapevine. Um, so you can easily be ostracized if, uh, by speaking up about these issues. Um, but they're definitely, sexism and misogyny are deeply embedded in our industry in a way that hasn't been exposed the way it has been in the restaurant world with you know the, the, the headlines about celebrity chefs and sexual abuses. Um, But most wineries are tiny, fewer than 20 employees and they don't have an HR department, let alone a harassment policy. So I think we need to start talking about these issues because I've heard from so many women, both before and while I was writing this book and now that it's out, just the stories keep, you know, come flooding in once you start talking about your own experience. And for me, I mean, I've been in this business for more than 20 years, I feel I can talk about it safely, so to speak, without um, getting my career canceled again. I I figure you can't kill me twice. Maybe I should knock on a wood barrel or something about that. But I I do feel for younger women in the industry, and younger people, not just women, who feel that they, they can't come forward or, or they'll be ostracized especially when most jobs in this industry are one-on-one mentorships whether you're going to become a winemaker or a sommelier you are so dependent on the person in power for your next job and referral
0: you talk in this book about drinking too much which i find interesting considering what you do for a living how did that come right. into play for you in the book
3: um well i had always been aware that you know drinking was my my day job Um, I come from a family that has alcoholism in it. Uh, But I never felt I had a problem with drinking until this worst vintage. And I slowly started using alcohol as a way to deal with the divorce and the defamation crises. Um, I realized I was leaning on it too heavily. And I had to do a lot of work, a lot of therapy to back off um, the wine. And I think That story now is resonating with a lot of people who've been through the pandemic and a lot of their own personal crises, relationships, career. And we've read the headlines how a lot of people, especially women, started drinking far more heavily than they ever did. And so that's why I hope this book, well, it's not a self-help book. I hope it is helpful to other people because I had to do things like, okay, what was the thought before the thought that said, I need a drink? Was it about coping? Was it about, you know, I'm exhausted, so I'm gonna reward myself with this glass of wine? Or was it about sensory pleasure and food pairing? You know, more often than not, during that year, it was the first. And I had to sort of regroup and and get back to the pleasure of wine, not not the anesthetization of it. And I had all I have all kinds of little tips and tricks throughout the book, like. You know, alternating a glass of wine with a glass of water, pouring a full bottle of wine into an empty half bottle so that you save and keep fresh that half bottle and don't feel compelled to drink it because, quote unquote, it'll go bad and all kinds of other things. Well, this book is so
0: real and raw and funny that I had to record a longer podcast with you on it because it's such a great conversation. Um, thank I you. want people to be able to go over and listen to the podcast. So I will encourage them to go do that now. But I also want people to be able to keep up with you. So where can they connect with you and find the new book?
3: Sure, thank you. Um, I love connecting with wine lovers online through my food and wine pairing courses at Uh We deal with everything from fast food to gourmet dinners. Wine and food pairing is so much fun. They can also connect with me through my podcast, Unreserved Wine Talk, where I interview really interesting, sometimes very strange people in the world of wine, and through their stories you learn more about wine. And of course, you can get the book online wherever uh, books are sold, as well as in bookstores. Wineries are selling it. I've got a free companion guide that will give you tips on how to organize an informal wine tasting, uh, questions for book clubs, and which wines to pair with this book and other books? You can get that at my website or winewitchonfire.com forward slash guide. All right, incredible. Natalie, thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thank you, Candace. I, I love chatting. We have, to do, uh, we have to do it again. We have to get together over a glass of wine or two. Absolutely. And uh, ca- carry on this conversation, please. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much. All right, thanks, Candace. It's another
0: busy week at Saturday Night at the Movies, so we're going to jump in right now with Ann Brody because we're starting off with the coronation of King Charles.
4: Yes, first coronation in 70 years, just a huge landmark, and I don't know about you, but I'm going to be watching. I'm going to have a little Prosecco, perhaps, and be on Zoom with family and friends, so it's going to be a celebration. Um, now, National Geographic's documentary, Charles in His Own Words, which is on Hulu and Disney, is really remarkable. I thought I'd seen everything with the royals in terms of documentary and archival footage, but no, this is juicy. Um, and, you know, his father was kind of cruel to him, kind of toughened him up, and I don't think it was ever meant to be a tough kid. Um so he sent him to these, these schools in, in Australia and in Scotland, and, you know, we see pictures of him as a young man, and as a boy, and as a teenager, and your heart goes out to him because he knows what's on his shoulders ahead. He knows he'll never have a, a normal life. And, you know, I just feel sorry for him. I just feel... That, so that's sorry
0: interesting. I, you, you would be in the minority, I think, on the feeling sorry for him. Yeah um i respect that i respect your opinion uh and i think when it comes to the royal family it's either people have really love it or really hate it doesn't I know, people, I know doesn't seem to be a lot of indifference about them
4: and and how long can it last is the question it all depends on this guy so and also i want to say that brit box which is a source for all uh british um television is going all out they've got king charles the coronation all day long live They've got Countdown to the Crown, the Who's Who and the What's What of the Coronation. And of course, all the local news stations and networks will have it going live. So there's just, you can't miss it. You've just... You won't be able to see anything else on Saturday.
0: Yeah, and if, and if you don't catch it live, you it'll be on replay and repeat, I oh, am yes. sure, for weeks to come. Uh, everybody will be analyzing it. Uh, tell me about Carmen.
4: Oh, my God, this is so good. It's a dancer who directs it. His name's Benjamin Millipier, which means thousand feet, which is sort of interesting. Don't know if it's fake or not. Anyway, um, he has made this film about two people Heading to the Mexican border. Now, one is a soldier, and his job, basically, as he finds out, it most humane thing, depending on who you're you're staffed by as a soldier at the border, at the U.S. border to Mexico, it's about hunting humans. And then you have a woman coming up from Mexico into the states. Um, her mother has just been brutally murdered. She's a dancer. Um, and she seems to work out her problems by dancing. And that's that's a very shallow way of saying this is a magnificent meditation on what your body's movement can do to help your mind heal. Um, and so the, he, Paul Mescal's character, he winds up shooting a soldier because the soldier was just about to shoot Carmen. So they make it to Los Angeles and they begin this new life there. And, you know, not a lot happens, but everything happens. It's one of those films, Um, not a wasted moment at all. And, you know, and the troubled journey that edges into dreams, fire and poetry, I think pretty much sums it up. Um, Just a wonderful film. All right, and where's that on Anne? That's on uh, in Toronto at TIFF Bell Lightbox, and in select theaters in in Vancouver and elsewhere.
0: All right, so there is yet another dystopian oy, oy, oy. series out, and as you and I were talking before we started recording this, we said we've been living in a dystopian reality so long, we're a little tired of the <laughs> the, the, the movies and shows coming out. But let's talk about Silo. It does look interesting. I will say it does it, look it's interesting. A
4: good concept. I mean, it's, you know, kind of a downer concept. But the silo, nobody knows who's built this silo. It's well into the future. The earth is ruined. But this silo, which is a mile deep, um, houses all the remaining people. There's just a few thousand people left. And so it's their internecine wars. It's their character situations. And um, there is something that really stands out. There is a window that you have to climb to, and it's hazardous. And you can either not look out the window to see what Earth looks like now, or you can go up and clean it. So this becomes a crucial undertaking. Will anyone do it? Will they be disturbed by what they see so badly that it will change life underground? Um, Rashida Jones plays um, a woman who's trying to get pregnant, David Oyelowo, who's a sheriff. He's her husband. Rebecca Ferguson is a, an engineer who's trying to figure out what's going on and work underneath everyone, aside from the rules, to, to make it okay. And there's a terrific uh, um, cast, including Common, Harriet Walker, this great British actress, Tim Robbins, where's he been, and uh, and Will Patton. So, you know, it has its interesting moments. It's on Apple TV May 5th, and it's just, uh, I mean, now, and it's... um it gives you pause you know what can i say it's scary
0: all right we've got about 30 seconds so let's lighten things up with my grandfather's favorite show in the 70s i'm not kidding uh so tell tell me about muppets mayhem
4: (laughs) disney plus has muppets mayhem and it starts on the 10th but i just wanted to go out on a positive note to say that uh, the electric mayhem band doctor teeth animal floyd pepper zoot they're all there they're making music they're having funny little little problems they're having funny little solutions and it's just it's just joy muppets equals joy your grandfather was right
0: Absolutely. And every time I see him up, I tell you, I get a tear in my eye. I got one Aww. right now because I, it always reminds me of my grandfather. Very sweet man. Anyway, and thank you so much. You're going to have this and all the others on the website for people to go yep. check out and we'll see you next week.
4: See you next week.
2: More with Candace Sampson and what she said coming right up.
0: Are you looking for authentic high quality and handcrafted seal fur and leather products created by Canadian Indigenous fashion designers and artists? Look no further than Proudly Indigenous Crafts and Designs, or D for short. Their e-commerce platform celebrates and showcases the skill and creativity of Indigenous fashion designers and artists. These innovative artists combine traditional sewing techniques with a contemporary approach to create modern and timeless accessories, footwear, clothing, and home decor products. And when you buy from Pick and D, you're not just getting a beautiful and authentic seal product, you're also supporting Indigenous communities. Proudly Indigenous products are natural, eco-friendly and of the highest quality. So visit proudlyindigenouscrafts.com today and experience the beauty of Indigenous craftsmanship. Pick and D, proudly showcasing Indigenous fashion and supporting Indigenous communities. La, la.
2: And now, back to Candace Sampson and what she said.
0: I often speak on this show about the need for more women in politics, but that need doesn't end with those just willing to run for office. Women can get involved in a variety of ways, contributing their unique perspectives and skills to make a positive impact. Today I'm joined by Erica M, who is going door to door meeting voters in Toronto to show her support for Josh Matlow, one of 50 mayoral candidates <laughs> in that city. Erica joins me to discuss why she's getting involved and how women can help create a more inclusive democracy and ensure their voices are heard in decision-making processes.
2: Welcome back to the show, Erica. I'm always happy to talk to you. And this topic is so close to my heart. I'm freaking obsessed. So you may have to, how long do we have to talk? We have have 10 minutes,
0: 10 minutes.
2: (laughs) Okay. Well, what do you want to know? Well, tell me, so What motivated
0: you to get involved in politics in this way? And in particular, I mean, I'm going to imagine you must fully believe in Josh Matlow as a candidate.
2: Yeah. Well, first of all, I am so sick of these freaking lying, cheating politicians who have the gall to turn things around and make it look like we work for them, like they're the king. Doug Ford is acting like he owns Ontario. He works for us. And we voted him in. It's our fault that we have such a moron. So if you are wondering, and I'll talk about it after, what can women do? Number one, be very wise and research the people who you vote for, assuming that you vote. And if you tell me that there's no one to vote for, and so I'm abstaining, I will throttle you. I will throttle you. (laughs) That's a personal promise from Erica. (laughs) (laughs) So so I'm obsessed because I'm watching the infrastructure. I live in Toronto, so the infrastructure in Toronto change and crumble. In my neighborhood, my city councillor is Josh Matlow. This guy is unbelievable. He is completely different from anyone I've ever met. He actually does what he promises. He actually cares about his community and the people that, in his words, he serves. He is a remarkable man. I've known him for 14 years. And when John Tory admitted to being a leading, uh, like a cheating scum, bag (laughs) can I say that on radio Uh, (laughs) you you own it my friend you own it (laughs) Um, people people have now an opportunity to bring some fresh blood and to bring somebody who is not a typical politician he does things so differently so for example um, when you put your name in to be the mayor in this case you have to raise money because you have to hire a staff and you have to print signs and postcards. Josh Matlow said, right at the beginning, I just want you to know, I will not be taking any developer money to support my campaign. Now, this is actually huge because this is how developers sort of weasel their way into a politician's um, life and, uh, and business dealings. Because they'll say, remember when I funded this? Now I want to get this super high building. You need to give me clearance to do that. So Josh Matlow is right away saying, I work for the people of Toronto. The people of Toronto will support my campaign. And I will be beholden only to them. So that's one of the things that I think is just, it's a sign. It's symbolic of the kind of leader he wants to be. I think, though, people are naturally and I don't
0: blame them jaded and tired of politics and I'm curious what it's been like for you going door to door you're actually doing that I have to laugh because I can't you must get some people going oh my god is this Erica M at my door (laughs) but what's not many not many but what's that experience been like has it been have you found it hostile open what are people like when you go on door to door uh I guess excursions like that
2: (laughs) Yeah, there, it's called canvassing, canvassing. Yeah. that's the uh, the word in the political <laughs> circles, because I'm part of it now. So I'm a volunteer. I give up my time and many dinners um, in order to knock on doors around the city. And basically, the, the campaign tells me and my neighbor where we're going. So the first two nights that we did it, we once we were in Toronto Central in um, rental units because Josh Matlow is very outspoken about tenant rights. And I have to tell you, it was a magical experience. Candice, you would would love it because you knock on doors, you never know who's going to answer. And yes, you're right. You assume that people would be sort of gruff. They are so grateful. First of all, to be respected that their opinion matters. Because you know, someone who lives in a in like a low-rent apartment has the equal value of a vote as someone who's a millionaire. They're just as important in democracy. And so we spend as much time at the door of someone who has a little tiny one-bedroom apartment as some of the other people that we meet who have these huge, you know, overblown homes. Um, It's beautiful to see so many immigrants, many of whom finally can vote. They are so grateful to have the opportunity to use their voice. They're curious about, in this case, Josh Matlow. They want to hear and learn more. They have questions. They say, well, what's he gonna do about, you know, uh, violence or what is he gonna do about rent control? They have genuine grievances and we're able to share the platform and they are, like some people invite us into their houses, it or or apartments. We don't we don't go in because we have to go to other places. The second time we went, we went to an apartment building at 500 Dawes, which unbeknownst to us is in fact a freaking hellhole. No fault of the tenants. The landlord has been um, is is now sort of considered one of the worst slum lawyers uh, landlords. So. And also this place is like you walk in, you look on the ceilings, there's mold everywhere. When you knock on people's doors, first of all, they they look at it. I mean, it's scary. There's guns all over that building. Like that. This is like where police come all the time. But their voice is important, maybe even more so. And so we knock on these people's doors and we brace ourselves because we never know who we're going to get. And these people often, many of them have had very hard lives. You can see it on their faces, their homes, like we see inside their homes. And there's stuff strewn everywhere. Like there's not a lot of, they don't have money, basically, Candice. These people are living on sort of the edge of poverty. And when we start talking to them, you see their faces change. Like, my God, they actually care what I have to say. I get goosebumps You know, because, yes, I'm canvassing for Josh Matlow, but I'm also saying to these people, your voice is important. And what the squalor that they are forced to live in is absolutely unacceptable. And, you know, most politicians don't really pay attention to them because they've got no money. So they have no clout. It can't improve their chances. Get this, Candace. I know it's disgusting, but... One of the big complaints in that building is that there's rats everywhere. And one woman can't use her stove because when she turns it on, she's often cooking a rat or mice who are nesting in her appliances. So she can't use her stove anymore. Like, it's disgusting. So Josh Batlow, for example, has put this thing called the Rent Safe Program already in play at City hall and he has all kinds of plans for the tenants so when you share that stuff with them they're like sign me up and then we're saying well make sure right. you vote because that's the other piece you know it's it's really important for anyone listening to do your research look at the candidates don't go for like oh I know the name Olivia Chow she's really nice look at Olivia Chow's um, new, uh proposals what does she want to do for a city that's the city that's new and innovative and how is she going to pay for it because this is what politicians do they make all these grand promises you know someone said I want to change the doors on the TTC so you can't no one can push you off it cost 1.2 billion dollars like what are you doing you're lying you're full of crap so the person that I'm supporting he has a great series of platforms that he's building not platforms for the ttc but ideas but also he has this is how i'm going to pay for it we are it's like a it's a breath of and, fresh and air those those votes matter
0: because we are like as we said earlier we are dealing with doug ford who is in is just making decisions for 100 of us based on 18 voter turnout which is appalling we have to close out though but right. Amber Mack, who was on the show just recently, had some great advice for you uh, about men trying to shut women down. And I think this is important to share in the in the context of this conversation about getting involved.
2: I'm so happy that you mentioned it because I was telling Amber that I felt on social media that I felt that there was so much anger um, and, um, you know, the the country splitting into do. And so I stopped kind of tweeting and posting and she said, Erica, That is what men want. They want to scare us off. They want to shout us out. And I started to tweet again and use my voice and talk about the things that are important to me and ignore the people, the haters. It it doesn't matter. Instead, I'm using my voice. I'm using my legs to walk and knock on doors. I'm supporting a candidate that I believe in. And anyone who's listening to this can find any of the candidates in Toronto And support them knock on doors hopefully it'll be Josh Matlow but it may be somebody else who weirdly um, seems to be you know what what you think Toronto should look like but do something about it don't complain stand up and get involved and pick the people who support women who support the underprivileged and the people who will keep their promises erica thank you so much for joining
0: me this is great advice not just for those who live in the toronto area obviously but across the entire country get involved in politics at every level your voice matters uh thank you so much erica we'll have you back soon i'm sure i'd love that
2: And now, back to Candace Sampson and what she said.
0: In this next interview, we're diving into a critical and timely topic, the mental health of first responders. Colette Curran is Clinician and National Director of Military, Veterans and First Responders at EHN Canada. EHN Canada is at the forefront of providing dedicated treatment facilities for police officers, military personnel, veterans and first responders. Colette joins me to shed light on the unique challenges faced by those in law enforcement, the stigma surrounding mental health disorders within their community, and how these issues can be addressed more effectively. Welcome to What She Said Colette.
5: Oh lovely to be here. Thank you so much for having me Candace. Could
0: can you start by giving us an overview of the mental health challenges faced by police officers and how it impacts their ability to perform their duties effectively?
5: Well, you know, right off the bat is, uh, as you mentioned, I look after, you know, veterans, military and first responders. And first responders is a very unique segment of society because the stresses that they face are happening every single day on the job, right? It's not as though you're being deployed to Afghanistan and you might come across, um, you know, a situation uh, that will be stressful. This is something you need to kind of be geared up for on a conscious or subconscious level every day when you go out on a call uh, what might you encounter uh, we look at just even in society the increased prevalence of uh, substance use disorder and you know the severity of those substances that are being used overdoses uh, uh, the the impact on on people's behaviors um, and and the acting out and so on and so you could be facing something very uncontrollable uh, on any particular call that you go out on and so it's really that's Sort of kind of hypervigilant state that you need to be in that requires ongoing uh, maintenance and management?
0: I imagine that being a police officer in particular requires, um, you know, this sort of tough, stoic. Persona, and that might lead to some stigma associated with mental health disorders within the culture. So, how can this be addressed to encourage officers to seek help when needed and not sort of hide behind the stigma attached to it?
5: Oh, that's an excellent question because I think that you you impose those expectations on yourself. I am supposed to be a particular kind of person by by dint of the fact that I signed up for a career like this. Uh, there is the institutional uh, kind of expectation that, you know, we've trained you for this, uh, you know, and you need to be hardy and, uh, 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 you know, be able to face uh, whatever situations uh, you encounter. You're the one who signed up for this job. You have the public perception. Um, of something like that happening, and I think this is where we see moral injury come into play. Is that we're dealing with human beings, and you know, when you're encountering tough situations, perhaps you know somebody has died, or you know, it, 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 there's a violent situation. You have feelings and reactions and responses to that. You're not a robot, um, and yet we look at somebody who's kind of all suited up in uniform, and we have expectations that they they have a certain role. They're the here to protect us and that's what they do and we kind of strip them of their humanity uh and as do they as does the institution and so it's kind of coming from several fronts i would say yeah
0: could you can you tell me then how does ehn canada um provide mental health support for for obviously all not just first responders but veterans as well and and military personnel
5: well, we have several treatment programs, and we would we would match treatment to severity of conditions. So somebody might just start noticing. Uh, they're not sleeping well at night. Perhaps they're starting to use uh, substances heavily as a way of coping. Uh, they're uh, having uh, disagreements at home. You know, they're yelling at the kids, blah, blah, blah. And so we try to create awareness. Um, you know, a lot of that preventative work is really important. Um, so we need to be involved in advocacy and getting out out to the organizations, um, you know, police associations and so on, um, to to help them to identify when they see those symptoms. And then to say, you know, perhaps that begins with just some one-on-one counseling. Uh, maybe uh, it's a little more than that. And we have intensive outpatient programs. Uh, you can work with your organization, uh, continue to do the job, uh, but dedicate a certain nine hours a week, for instance, in our intensive outpatient programs. You do that for eight months. You have 10 months of aftercare. So you can keep on going, but you really need to address what's happening. And then of course, if it's really severe, then you need a timeout. And to say, you know, you need symptom interruption, what you're finding is that if you're trying to address PTSD symptoms, or you're trying to control your drinking or using, it's not working. And you can't do that on your own. And so kind of going somewhere where you can uh, really focus on getting the tools that you need, mitrochi inpatient treatment.
0: How can police departments then and organizations work to create a supportive environment that prioritizes the mental well-being of their officers?
5: Again, a very important question because I think it begins with just uh, creating the kind of safety to come forward. You know, fear of the career is that if I do say something, you're going to take my gun away. You know, a fear of losing the gun. I won't be able to do my job. Uh, And so if you say, well, actually, no, we're going to think that's pretty good of you to have stepped forward, you're actually uh, being responsible for your career by putting up your hand and asking for help. So kind of this uh, idea of sometimes the bravest thing to do is to put your hand up and say, I need help. Um, And and that we are gonna reward that by saying, you're treating this responsibly. We're not only going to uh, make sure that you get the treatment that you need, uh, and we're gonna pay for that treatment so there's no hardship with regard to access, Um, we also uh, you know are going to help you with reintegration into your career and so reintegration is not only perhaps having to do some exposure work uh, related to the incident that happened and incredible reintegration uh, work is now happening in the police forces that they can kind of reenact the scene and um, and, and work together with your peers uh, to, uh, to go through that again, to, to see what comes up for you, to help you with your readiness, to kind of regain the role. And um, so just again, within the forces that you could see that there's peer support, there's awareness, there's, there's nobody's being punished uh, for doing this. But uh, you know we know that there's a lot of stigma. We know that that isn't necessarily the case. So I think that these culture shifts uh, do take time.
0: All right. Incredible. Well, I know that people are either listening who are first responders themselves or in the military uh, and or they love somebody who is. So where can they get in touch with you uh, and follow along or perhaps seek help?
5: well you know i think probably just uh, going to the website edgewoodhealthnetwork.com would be a great resource um and you know when when it comes to our first responders we have corporate care specialists that are going to handle those phone calls so that they can begin by saying first of all let's just chat uh, and see what's going on and we can do an assessment there's no charge for that and that assessment helps with that triaging somebody to make sure that if they do need treatment that they match that with severity there's no need to go inpatient if you're just starting to see the symptoms and it's best handled I mean evidence-based practice will say uh, doing handling this on an outpatient basis is great uh, if that's where you're at but if we're recognizing that this is really in a tough place um, then we will also facilitate through the way through treatment. So I'd say our website, you know, we are on social media sites as well, like LinkedIn and uh, Instagram. So,
0: all right, on. wonderful. Well, I'm going to put all those links uh, when this goes live on podcast so people can find it and connect with you. Thank you so much for joining me today, Colette.
5: Oh, thank you. Very important. La, 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 la.
0: That's it for What She Said This Week. Stay up to date with my newsletter by signing up at whatshesaidtalk.com and be sure to follow on social at whatshesaidtalk on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for videos of these interviews and more. You can also catch me on TikTok at Candace Said. Finally, be sure to subscribe to What She Said with Candace Sampson wherever you listen to podcasts to catch past episodes and extended interviews. I'll be back next week with more What She Said.